When Jesus shows up, He shows up suddenly and unexpectedly in our lives. God is looking to bring fundamental changes to who we are. This is the nature of Jesus. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. On today's episode, Pastor Jordan teaches on Jesus, the unexpected guest, and how when Jesus shows up, he shows up suddenly and unexpectedly in our lives. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Let's receive the word together. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. This is the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. He's, ne- he's coming close to Jerusalem and he's passing through the city of Jericho. And, and let me tell you an interesting fact about Jericho. Jericho is the city where all of the religious people lived. All of the Levites, all of the leaders. They lived in Jericho and then they would serve for one month in Jerusalem. So this is a hotbed of religiosity. So just keep that in mind as we read this story. He entered Jericho, verse 1 says, and as he was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, he was the chief tax collector, and he was rich, double-hated, right off the bat, double-hated. He was the billionaires everybody's mad at, and he was the chief tax collector taking everybody's money, allied with Rome, their enemy. And he was seeking, Zacchaeus, to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Here's this dignified, wealthy man (laughs) running, jumping, climbing. Verse six, so he hurried. Oh, sorry, verse five. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Later on in Zacchaeus' home, the Bible says, Zacchaeus stood up at dinner and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I ever have defrauded anyone of anything, You hear a voice in the back. You have. (laughs) (laughs) Got it, got it. I restore it fourfold. So 50% right off the bat, and then fourfold from all that he's defrauded and stolen from people. And then Jesus steps up and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Come on, can we thank God that he came to seek and to save the lost? Wow, so powerful. When Jesus shows up to our lives, he shows up unexpectedly. You can't prepare for him. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, the unexpected guest. Jesus, the unexpected guest. When Jesus shows up, he shows up suddenly and unexpectedly in our lives. And I want you to hear me today. God is looking for lives and areas of our lives to show up almost unannounced, 
to bring fundamental changes to who we are. This is the nature of Jesus. No warning, no prep time, no cleanup. He's knocking. He's not, no text, no call, no plan. The way Jesus shows up to our lives, this is a pattern that begins in the Old Testament all the way through, is he just shows up. He just shows up. I mean, some of you are gonna have uh, Super Bowl parties tonight and you're already stressed. You've been stressed for a week. You know what it is to have guests over. You prepare, you clean, you take all your junk and throw it in that one closet and tape it shut and put like caution tape, hazard zone. You, you know what it is to have guests over, you know? You're preparing tonight. That's why you're at the early service. You gotta pick up those chicken wings after service. You know? <laughs> when Jesus shows up, he doesn't allow for prep time. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't make room for, for us to prepare the facade of perfection. I think part of the way Jesus shows up is intentional because he's trying to get to the real us. He's trying to get to the real us. And, and that's an, an interesting aspect I want us to look at today is the unexpected nature of our God. You ever, you ever wonder why God chooses to work more in the Bible in, in suddenlies than in slowlies? It's almost sometimes it feels like he does nothing for years and then he does everything all at once. He answers, he, it's almost like he answers no prayers, then he answers all prayers. And you're like, what's happening here? Can't we have more stability in our relationship, God? Can't there be more of a two-way street? But it just seems to be an interesting aspect of the nature of God. And I want to explore it together. Why is God so unexpected in the way that he approaches us? I mean, think about even the story of his birth. When Jesus shows up, the Bible tells us there was no room at the inn. In other words, they didn't have time to prepare. They didn't have time to make a place. There was no plan, no process. And as if Jesus didn't know that, as if God didn't know, as if he couldn't shift the date a little bit. You know, all these mothers want to choose the date. God could have chosen the date. You know, and he looks down, and it's almost like the angel's like, hey, I, I just checked. I called. There's no vacancy whatsoever. And God's like, it's, it's good. It's fine. I want to show up suddenly. I, I want to show up in the midst of a little bit of chaos. I want to show up in a way when no one's even prepared. And they say, well, but Lord, the, the nobles won't know you're there. The kings won't know you're there. The nations won't know they're there. Well, well, do you have some shepherds? Go tell those guys. He's into... He's into suddenlies. He's into quickly. He's into unexpected. Even the religious leaders, when the, when the Magi show up, you know, two years later, when the Magi show up, because they've been on a long journey, they say, hey, where's the king? Expecting there to be an answer. Expecting everyone to be like, oh, here he is. And everyone's like, king? What? And then the king, uh, Herod, goes, well, where's he supposed to be? And the religious leader's like, we don't know. Let's go, let's go look at the scrolls. You, then they search, and they're like, it's supposed to be in Bethlehem. You would think that at least the religious people would be prepared. At least the religious people would. If we knew it was Bethlehem, you think they would set a watch. Just put a rabbi over there, let him hang out, see what's going on. But no, because God, I think he likes this, 
He likes to even catch the religious unawares. It's, it's how he likes to reveal himself is in suddenly, like think about Genesis in the beginning, there was only dark, form, void, nothing. And, and then the Bible says, then God said, light, revelation, revealing, awakening. In one moment, he strikes light into darkness. God is all about the unexpected. And, and, and I wonder why, why does he do this? And, and I think part of the answer is that, is that Jesus is a person. He's not a math formula. You can't work him. You can't figure him. As, as powerful as I think expectation and preparation is, honestly, you can't even really expect him. He's God all by himself. He will not fit in a wallet-sized picture. He will not be worked out in a little math formula. As much as you know what to do, fasting and prayer and communion and Sunday service, all of that is good, but none of that draws him. He draws himself. He shows up himself. He is God all by himself. He does what he wants to do. He goes where he wants to go. He reveals himself to whom he wants to reveal himself to. And, and most of the time he does things that we would say, I don't know about that. But it's almost as if God's saying, get to know me, the person. Don't turn me into a religious equation. I won't, I won't show up in the little box that you set for me. I will give you 45 minutes, one Sunday a month. I will kneel in this place. I will be blessed by priest, God. God says, no, I made the whole universe as a revelation to myself. So when I show up into your life, I will do it my own way, my own timing. And by the way, I'm coming in a big way. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Jesus is spontaneous. If you read, the disciples have no clue what he's doing. Even, you know, Jesus preached a phenomenal sermon. Then the disciples come on the side and go, like, so good, pastor, so good. What did that mean? <laughs> it's lively, it's real, it's authentic, it's powerful because God's real. And God wants true relationship, not mindless automatons. He doesn't want robots. God is anti-dead religion. He's not into it. He's not going to bless it. He wants the real you to know the real him. He wants the real you, not the false prepared presentation of you. And he doesn't want you to know the fake imaginary presentation of God. He wants the real you to know the real him. So I would say today as our church, if I could lead you in this, I would say, God, we want you to show up your way, your process, come when you want, come how you want, do what you want. Here at Awakening Church, we can't speak for everyone else, but here at Awakening Church, God, we want you to show up suddenly, unexpectedly. If it gets a little messy, we're okay with that. God, we want you, not our idea of you, not our preconceived notion of you, we want you. This is why we're having presence nights on Wednesday night. We are giving an hour to an hour and a half where we have really no plan except the presence of God. We, we might take communion, we might do worship, we might have preaching, we might sit in silence, we, we, we might do whatever it takes, whatever God wants to do, Lord, you do, because we want you, not what we want, we want you, 
So come. And I'll tell you, God's been coming. His presence has been coming close on Wednesday nights. This is the goal on Sunday. This is the goal in cruise that we might see Jesus for who he is, not for who we want him to be, and specifically not for who we want him to be back to me. No, Lord, we honor you as God. Do what you want. And so we're a church that's looking in multiple ways, but a specifically presence night to make room for God, uh, make room and set a time for God to show up and do whatever he wants to do in order that we might see his nature. And we see this happen in the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, as I stated earlier, he's absolutely hated by the religious community. He's a chief tax collector. He works for the IRS. He steals from his own people. He's allied with the government of Rome. And, 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 and he is absolutely disregarded by everybody. Jesus comes into Jericho. Here it is, the religious center of the world. You would think, here he comes for the Pharisees. But Jesus finds the one person that everybody agrees with, not him. And, and the Bible says that in all of Zacchaeus' running and jumping and climbing, none of that would have mattered unless God was seeking him. God was searching him. And, and I want you to know, it's not your works that gets you close to God. It's God that gets close to you. And don't you think it's so powerful, the Bible says, when he reached that place, God looked up. God was looking for you. And God has a certain place and a time that he wants to encounter you. And I, I think salvation, you know when you're saved, when there's a place and a time that you can say, I met Jesus in that place. But I want you to know it doesn't stop at salvation. God has a place and a time for deliverance. God has a place and a time for renewal. God has a place and a time for restoration. God has a place and a time for forgiveness. Not just your life, but areas of your life whole areas. And God stops and looks up. And then what does he say? He says, Zacchaeus, he knows his name. Predetermined. I'm coming for you. Coming for you. And he says, I must, must come to your house today. In other words, there is a cosmic timeline around Zacchaeus. All of heaven knows it's your time. And I'm here to tell you today, God is coming for you. God's coming for you. I just want you to know he's got a time. He's got a place. He knows your name. He's looking for you. You thought, I'll come sit in the back and I'll sc scratch down low. And it's like, ah, 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 God's here. He knows you. He's looking for you. And in, when he's searching for you, he's the greatest hide and seek player ever. When God starts coming for you, he doesn't stop until he gets you. He's coming for you. He knows your name. He knows your reputation. He knows your struggle. He knows what other people think of you. He knows all of the reasons that he shouldn't enter your house. And yet he says, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Every Sunday he's coming for you. You thought you were coming to his house. Now nah, he said, I'm coming to your house. And I love that Jesus invites himself over. <laughs> he's that guy. He invites himself. You guys having a party? You watching the Super Bowl tonight? He's the guy that doesn't even know who's playing. Who's playing? I'm com I'll come. I think I can. I, I can be. He invites himself over. It's so good to your house. And isn't that true? That God's the one that invited himself over to you. Amen. When we pray the prayer of salvation, you invite Jesus. But can I tell you, the invitation really starts with Jesus. He says, hey, I, I want to come. I want to be with you. I want to restore you. And I'm so thankful. Not only does God invite himself into your heart, he invites himself into your home. Because when Jesus comes to your house, things change. When Jesus comes to your house, 
Pastor Marco used to say, he doesn't want to just save your, your, your heart. He wants to save your wallet. He doesn't want to just save your heart. He wants to save your house. When Jesus comes to your house, things change. He is like the divine redecorator. He walks in and goes, oh, this will not do. Oh my goodness. You've been living like this? Woo! No, no judgment, no condemnation for those who are in Christ in me. But goodness. He comes in, he starts opening the drapes. Can I just handle this? Let me just open the drapes of depression. Let me just push these things aside. Let me push these things aside here. He comes in, he starts rubbing through the junk drawer. No, God, not in there. Nobody goes in there. But God says, no, I'm going to deal with some things here. You got a lot of junk in this junk drawer. Might take me a couple years to organize this, but I'm here to, I'm here to mess with some things. He comes in and he said, where'd you get this couch? Where'd you get this couch of apathy, laziness? Well, I got it from my weed dealer. I can tell. I'm going to get this thing out of here. Pick up the other side. Pick up the other side. Jesus walks around and he says, what? Where did you get this side table? I inherited it. Oh, I inherited it from my grandmother. I inherited this anger. I inherited this impatience. I inherited this divorce. And God says, call Savior and Sons in here. Let's get the moving truck. Because <laughs> I'm here. And this is my house now, too. I'll take the guest room. Thanks. I'll take the guest room. And by the way, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the evening. I'll hang out with your kids. My presence is now on this house. Come on, let's thank God that he came for our home completely and totally. Amen? We just saw a baptism. Stephen was just baptized. And, and Stephen said, I'm thankful for my brother. And I remember when his brother Albert came and got saved because do you know why? That's how God works. He doesn't just save an individual. He saves a home saves a whole household. Let God into the house. He'll deal with your kids. Let God into the house. He'll help rescue your marriage. <laughs> You're fighting in the kitchen. You look over. Jesus is there just doing the dishes. You're going to apologize for that or it's going to be a couple hours. I'll be here. I'll be here. God's so good. He saves families. He comes unexpectedly, but you're in charge of your response. We're in charge of our response to God. We know from the rich young ruler that we can walk away from God. Remember, he said, sell all you have, give it to the poor. The rich young ruler walked away, but Zacchaeus said, I'll do it. You're in charge of your response to God. The response of your heart, the response of your mind. And as I said, not just one response, not just one prayer. You're in charge of your continual response to the presence of God. Don't close off any area. Let him come and clean out every closet. Let him come rummage around in the hidden things. Don't close off and continually invite him into every area of your heart, house, and life. You have to respond the right way. Jesus said, I must come to your house. Zacchaeus could have said, not me, Lord. But he said, no, Lord, anything, anytime, anywhere, please come. Please come. 
I wonder what has been your response when God starts dealing with issues in your life. You've been coming for the past few months, past few years. What has been your response? Is it to close down and back off? Or is it to say, even though this hurts, Lord, I open up and I invite. I didn't expect this. You ever have God touch an area that you didn't even know was there? Oh, I didn't even know I had that. I didn't even know I reacted like that. I didn't even know I was talking like that, Lord. But now that you've revealed it, I invite you into it. I don't close it off. I invite you into it. How will you respond to the unexpected Christ? We know how the crowd responds. The crowd always responds. Him? What? And, 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 and we know that that's, that's not just other people. That's a side of us. The crowd's such a picture of the flesh. Our response of, it reveals even our predilection to restriction. God, come, but not that way. Not like that. Not there. God, I'll love you, but don't touch that. God, I'll serve you, but I also serve that. God, I'll love you. I'm with you, but I'm also with this. And we want two masters. But God says, I won't share the space. I won't do it. I'm choosing to come. You can choose how to respond. And I think this is why God acts so quickly, so suddenly, because he doesn't want us telling him what to do. Right? Like, I think sometimes God has to touch something that you didn't even know was there, because if you did, you would have, like, gotten in front of it. This, this whole thing. And I think that's why God sometimes moves so quickly. Sometimes you say, sometimes you, you cry in church and you, you might even say, I don't even know why I'm crying. Because God says, I'm moving quick. I'm not waiting until next week. I'm, I'm going to touch you right now. And you might not even know, why am I having this emotional reaction? I think that's sometimes why God shows up in dreams. I think sometimes that's why God, God even allows there to be conviction because he's saying, I'm going to move so quickly, you don't have enough time to put on a religious facade. As if everything's okay. Because there's a flesh side of you that wants to say, God, not there, not now, not that way. But you got to shut that thing up. And you got to say, no, Lord, come. Come. Come, Lord, whatever the cost. Come, Lord, whatever it looks like. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I don't want to tell you what to do. You tell me what to do. My dad used to say that the very best witnesses for Christ are the people that were brand new saved because they don't know what they're not supposed to say. They get saved, they walk into their work and they just say, I want to let you all know, you guys are going to hell. (laughs) And everyone's like, really? (laughs) Tell me more. It's only after five years do we have enough time to put on the religious facade. Jesus, come on. Not them. I pray God keeps us humble. I pray God keeps showing up, uh, showing up in brand new ways. I, I pray God keeps being gutsy in his approach and his appearance so that we can't, we can't boil him down to a math equation. We want the real him all the way through, completely with us. God, whatever it looks like, any place, any time, just come. And, and, and so, of course, you see Zacchaeus, the one that was forgiven, the one that was redeemed, the one that was chosen. You see his response now is to give in response to God's kindness to him. His response is to open up. His response is to release. His, his response now is to give because of God's unexpected kindness to him. I mean, if you were to ask Zacchaeus in, in that moment, if you were to ask him, Zacchaeus, 
why are you responding this way with giving and generosity? I think Zacchaeus would tell you, I didn't expect someone to be so kind to me. God's so kind. The word says it is, it is his goodness, his kindness that leads us to repentance. He was in a whole, think about it, in a city of religiosity, but none of them could get him to give. The law can't get you to change. The law can't get you to love. The law can't even peer pressure you into doing the right thing. But when you meet God's kindness, it's going to shock you. It's unexpected. His grace always triumphs over greed. You can't believe that God would choose you, especially since he knows you. And out of that unexpected kindness has got to be a reaction to say, I'm ready to give then, God. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to love. He stands up. It's almost like you see the action, like he can't help it anymore. They're supposed to be sitting. They're supposed to be, you know, relaxed. And he's he's like compelled by the kindness of God. And he stands up and says, behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor, 50%. And if, I, if I've stolen anything from anyone, fourfold back to him. He does a reverse tithe. Wow. <laughs> 90% he gives away. Wow. He, he gives everything in a moment. And you say, well, what sermon did Jesus preach? What happened? We don't know. All we know is when the presence of God comes into your house, Amen. generosity springs forth, giving, reaction, love. What societal pressure couldn't change? God's arrival changed instantly. This is why we need to be people of the presence he gave. Because giving is always the heart's response to God's grace. You can't receive grace and then not give. It's the heart's response. When you've really received mercy and grace, you begin to give gratitude. You begin to give of your life, give of your time. The Bible says, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely give. Why? Because this is how it should work. That you've received so much from Jesus unexpectedly, undeservedly, unreservedly. I hope it compels you to stand, rise up, and begin to give back out. Do you remember the story of Peter's mother-in-law? She was sick and in bed with a fever. This was towards the beginning of Jesus's ministry. God called Peter, but Peter still had issues in his home, sickness in his home, frailty in his home. But God comes to Peter's home, and the Bible says, says this so, so succinctly, so powerfully. It says, he touched her hand, and the fever left her. He touched her, the fever left her, She rose and began to serve. She pops out of bed and says, let me, let me just, let me get some cheese. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I can't believe you're here. Where's the, where's the crackers? I love this. I hope my life, I hope my life is like this. She lifted up. She came up higher. She rose out of sickness and began to serve him. That's the calling of a Christian. Rise up and begin to serve. We serve him because he touched us. He came to our home. He forgave us. He loved us. 
She was sick and in bed. She couldn't have deserved it. She couldn't have asked for it. She couldn't have done any work. She didn't have the power to pray. She had nothing. But here comes the unexpected God with unexpected miracles. And her response is so holy. I pray it's your response that you serve him, not out of compulsion, not out of, not out of me pushing you, but I pray you serve him because he's touched your life and he's touched your heart. And he's touched your future. The Bible says that those who've been forgiven much, they love much. We give much. I hope you serve on Sunday morning because he's touched you. We're, we're opening up crews. We've got 60, 70 crew leaders. Do you know why they open their homes and they prepare? Because they've been touched by the Lord. So they rise up and they begin to serve those around him. Listen, this is why we tithe. This is why we tithe. Why we give. The Bible says don't give under compulsion. Don't make anybody fear you and judge you into giving. I pray you never get that from me. But give cheerfully because of what God gave you. This is why we tithe. Because like Zacchaeus, we can't believe he chose us. We can't believe he forgave us. And I don't want to stay down here. I want to rise up and say, now, Lord, here's my response. I want to give to your house. I want to give to your people. I want to serve with my time. I want to give to the poor. I want to join We Heart Lives. Why? Because you came and you chose me when I would not even have chosen me. There's plenty of other people in Jericho for you to choose, but me? Of course now. My reaction has to be to give and give cheerfully. I want to take the next step because he gave me the ability to walk. I'm no longer stuck in my shame and sin. I'm going to take the next step. Speaking to a man at Remnant, his wife has been praying for him for many years to come to the church. And he told me last year, he said, I started coming to the church. He said, when my child was born, things got serious, things got real, and I gave my life to Christ. He said, I got baptized. He knew the date. He knew the date. And, the, and, and he said, I got baptized on this day. I'll never forget it. He said, I began serving. I'm on this team. He said, I want to tell you, a month and a half ago, my wife and I, we began to tithe. And he said, it was difficult, but God sustained us through it. And now we're tithing. And he goes, this is what I'm going to do next. You see this man taking one step after another, because after God lifts you up, you're called to take the next step in response to the amazing grace that you've received. I don't know what your next step is, but I hope like Zacchaeus, I hope like Peter's mother-in-law, you rise up and you take that next step in response to God's incredible, unexpected goodness in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love Jesus's reaction. Right after... Zacchaeus stands up and makes that declaration. Jesus says, this man saved. That's a good thing to get from God. Assurance of salvation. He is saved. You know how you've answered the altar call? Like when you early got saved, you answered it every Sunday. You raise your hand 22 weeks in a row. Zacchaeus didn't need to do that. Jesus says, this man saved. He actually says, he actually says this. He says, today salvation has come into this house. I want you to please hear me. You don't have to prepare. You don't have to clean it. You don't have to make it right before salvation to come into your house. It wants to come into your house today. Let him do the cleaning and the restoring. Today, salvation has come into this house. We hope that you feel encouraged by this message and that you can see your identity in Christ and your place in his family. If you're a local to Rhode Island, we'd encourage you to join a crew. 
Crews are our bi-weekly small groups that make our big church small. Crews are where you find community and friendship. And of course, we have church services every Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Visit awakeningchurch.org for more info about Crews or the church. God bless you, Awakening.